because yeah. we, we look serious. we look beautiful. We yeah. take this very oh, seriously. Yes. We are channeling this these characters. Mm-hmm. I churned butter this morning. Oh, Did it wow. work? <laughs> Carolyn washed in the creek. Hello world, there's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. Welcome to the Pop Culture Preservation Society, the podcast for people born in the big wheel generation who were warned not to squeeze the Charmin, but encouraged to reach out and touch someone. We believe our Gen X childhoods gave us unforgettable songs, stories, characters, and images. And if we don't talk about them, they'll disappear, like Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition. Today, we will be preserving our favorite Monday night television show, Little House on the Prairie. I'm Carolyn. I'm Kristen. And I'm Michelle. And we are your pop culture preservationists. All right, girls. Are you ready? Yes. We're ready. I would um, like you all to don your prairie bonnets, tie a big, big bow under our pretty double chins. I really do have a double chin. I hate Zoom. I hate this so much. Um, and we really and do have bonnets. Yes, we yes, do. We, do. We, we'll, we will make sure and post that yeah. um, to you. And if you're you listening to see. this like way in the future, um, go to our Instagram page and in a highlight called podcast. We'll save it there for, for eternity, ladies. Because oh, yeah. we, we look serious. serious. We look beautiful. We yeah. take this very oh, seriously. Yes. We are channeling this these characters. Mm-hmm. I churned butter this morning. Did oh, it wow. work? Carolyn washed in the creek. All right. So much stuff. So right now, we need to focus a little bit, ladies. So I would like you to close your eyes. And I would like for you to take a deep breath. In places I can't mention, even with the E rating. I know. (laughs) It's so true. My nipples hard. (laughs) We call that nipple lightning at our house. Like I just said, nipple lightning. Oh, that's good. I didn't have a word. Yes, that's our phrase. You guys, Uh, we're here to educate. Those first four notes that that French horn plays. Oh, Oh my gosh. I mean, honestly, if I had to sum up nostalgia. In four musical notes, that would be it for me. That would be what I would do. Because just like we said, the visceral response I get when I hear that is um, really there aren't any words for it. It Mm -hmm. catches my breath. My heart kind of has this electric current go through it, as do my nipples. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. I just feel really full when I hear it. I don't know how else to describe it. But I feel mm-hmm. so full. And then, yeah, sometimes it spills over <laughs> out of my eyes. But um, I know, like you guys, I've been rewatching some episodes. I've been watching them on Amazon Prime. And every time I watch one, you get the option to skip the intro. Oh, no. Um, no. And I've never once done it. No. Because that's one of my favorite parts of... Oh, um, yeah. And I... The music, but it's it's the music for sure, and it's also the images. We can close our eyes right now, and everyone exactly listening can too, and you can picture, 
everything that's happening because I thought it was a brilliant choice to keep that opening through the entire series. So we all associate, you know, a lot of times we have favorite shows we watch and sometimes maybe season three, season four, they tweak the song a little bit. Maybe they get a Mm -hmm. new recording artist or they change up the photos that you see at the beginning to make them more current. Well, sometimes that works really well. I just have always appreciated how with Little House, they kept it the same all the way through. Just those little girls running down the hill. Always happened. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I did not rewatch anything for this episode. I decided that I would, because I had these images and I had these feelings that were so on the surface, they were so accessible to me. That I thought, if I go back and rewatch it, what if I find out that this is all fabricated? I wanted to, or, oh, that's not scary at all, or that was stupid. So I decided not to rewatch. This is all, and most of, and I didn't really watch much in syndication. So I'm pulling this up from 1976. That's super impressive. You. Yeah, well, you both impressed the heck out of me with your memories. That I, <laughs> oh I no, mine's that right terrible. The... I had to rewatch oh, a lot please. of these episodes. Well, in general, in this podcasting world that we're doing, wow. it's all like your books that you've read. Um, but it's I'm interested to see your see what you remember, Kristen, because as <laughs> yes, I well, was, well, you guys, this is what amazed me when I really was like looking at the numbers and um, remembering this show. So you said it ran for nine seasons, 1974 to 1982. So that means I started watching it when I was about nine, and the last episode aired when I, wait, is nine right? Yeah. Um, Yeah, nine, and then it was the last episode, I was almost 17. You guys, I mean, that is... your whole childhood. That's formative. Right? It's your whole childhood. I mean, can you believe that? And I was thinking maybe, with the exception of Judy Bloom, who I, as we discussed before, read her books kind of throughout that same time period... I don't think there is another pop culture experience that if I had to just sum one up and say that defined my youth like Little House on the Prairie did. There's I nothing mean, that is that consistent, that is that no. long lasting because a, a song comes and goes, an album comes and goes, a movie comes and goes. Right. That is crazy. It, it really is. And I was thinking if there, if someone said, okay, we're going to create a time capsule, you need to put something in that represents a pop culture experience from your Gen X youth. What are you going to do? And I decided I'm going to put in a DVD, the complete DVD collection of Little House on the Prairie. Oh my gosh. Because that, that's brilliant. From beginning to end, all the things that happened in was were happening in my life at the time. It's just um, crazy. Do you remember so, how, like, um, do you remember how in the Sad Songs episode, Carolyn, you talked about how certain songs made you sad because they reminded you of this this big move that you had when you were in seventh grade, having to leave all of your friends, leave everything behind that you knew. So I have a similar situation with Little House on the Prairie because I lived in California when Little House on the Prairie started. And we moved to Minnesota in 1975. And you leave everything behind. You leave your friends behind. We, Our whole family lived in California. We come to this unknown place. But Little House on the Prairie came with us. I went into my new house and I turned on the TV and Laura was still there. Uh Plus, on top of it, 
It was in Minnesota. I was we just were about moving to say, oh, did, Minnesota. You, did you arrive by covered oh. wagon? We did not. And you know what's really strange? So I, because we were moving to the city, we weren't moving to a small town. I really differentiated them. I thought I was moving into Mary Tyler Moore's apartment and mm. I was going to work at WJM. And Laura was somewhere off in the distance. I did not know where she was. But she because was. we were, they filmed the show in Simi Valley, California, which is very, very close to where I lived. So the landscape oh, wow. of Little House of the Prairie is actually where we came from. And so here we're sitting in Minnesota watching Simi Valley on TV, and my parents would sit behind us and laugh and laugh and be like, mountains? There are no mountains in the prairie. (laughs) Yeah, Michelle, like, why is it so special to you, the show? You know what? I don't, I honestly don't know. And I think one reason I really loved the show is because it was all told from Laura's point of view. Like, these were her stories. And I loved Laura. I loved, um, I loved Melissa Gilbert. I loved that character. Um, I just loved her spirit and her spunk. And, um, I loved her relationship with her family. And I think one thing that really struck, struck me is I loved her relationship, especially with her pa. Um, I grew up without my father present. Um, I saw him a couple, I've, I know I've mentioned this before, so, um, I don't need to mention it. I'll mention it every time. Um, (laughs) it's, I'm fine. Um, but, uh, they just had this really awesome relationship that I didn't have growing up. I didn't have a relationship with a father like that also. And um, you guys can back me up on this because I've shown you a picture. I always felt that my dad resembled Pa just a little bit. And I know that was probably just me, but I can look back at old pictures. And if you squint really hard and you kind of tilt your head, you can kind of see it just a little bit. Isn't there, um, there is a, um, you know, let's just do a whole podcast on Pa, right? We could definitely do that. Oh, well, we will. Isn't there (laughs) a lot of wishful thinking with Pa where... He was the ultimate father. He was the ultimate husband. He was the ultimate community member. Uh Um, The Henley shirt shirt, that was always unbuttoned just a little bit. His chest was always a little bit damp. But that's because he was working hard. It's not because he was a sexual being. It's because he was providing for his family. Right. I think, though, yeah, for sure, with Pa um, and in a lot of the ones I've gone back and watched. But I think that I think... One of the the reasons, like, I loved the show, it was the the whole family dynamic of the Ingalls family was just so loving and just, it was so pure. It was just, it was just, it was the epitome of a family. You know, they, I, I just really, um, I was, I really, that's something that I think was like one of my favorite parts of the show. And I I'm also think not- that like, despite the Olsons, there was a lot of um, love and community in Walnut Grove. So I just loved that whole feeling I got when I watched it. I just put this together when you were talking, Michelle, about family and how how that image of family was so important to you. And I'm feeling super smart right now. Think of what was happening in the 70s. The family was changing. Women were realizing they didn't have to stay married to people who they didn't love or were treating them poorly or mm-hmm. pe- people who held them back. Um, women were going into the workforce. The family was changing dramatically. And there were so many shows in the 70s about what we used to call the olden days. Lots of olden days shows where there were no corrupting influences. Right? Everybody had their beautiful family intact with nothing to interfere with it. 
Isn't that interesting, though? Because think about that. That's such a good point. But on the flip side, look at the other shows that were reflecting what you were just talking about. One Day at a Time, Alice, um, yeah. some other ones we can mm-hmm. think of. Mary Tyler Moore. Yeah. I mean, you've got also, you've also got shows Rhoda. that are, mm-hmm. r- that are, that are super popular and fabulous shows that are a reflection of what was happening. What was actually happening. But yet these shows with these very intact families and family values were also popular. So it's almost, it's, it's, that's a really interesting, that's an interesting study. Well, and I'm going to add um, onto that and kind of play a little bit devil's advocate for you because um, some of the stuff I've read and now when I go back and look, there were a lot of topical 70s um, issues that were tackled in this right. in Little House on the mm-hmm. Prairie that probably in real time in the 1870s would not have been an issue. Um, but some of the things you said, the women's um, rights and mm-hmm. um, working outside the home. And you think of some of the strong female single characters in the show that didn't need, you know, Miss Beetle and, you know, Ms. that Beetle didn't so need... Much men or when men weren't the best husbands and um, leaving those situations. And they dealt with, you know, racism and a lot of drug addiction issues that Mm -hmm. were timely in the 1970s, but they wove them into the storyline so that we could visit them through Mm -hmm. Through a a different paw lens. would figure it out. Right. right. There's an episode. WWPD. There you go. Are there so thinking of specific episodes or moments in the series that stand out to you all as favorite memories? Um, I have indelible memories. Like I have, I have very succinct moments of very specific, and it's not the episode that stands out to me. Sure. It's the actual moments Moments. that stand out to me. And the number one image that comes to me when I think of Little House on the Prairie, besides little girls running serpentine down a grassy hill, is what I call Nellie gets a needle in the toe. Do you guys remember this? Oh, my God. I don't know that okay, I do. So I don't think I do either. Here's the setup. The setup is that Nellie Olson is going for a ride on Laura's favorite horse, Bunny. This but is if, one of mine. Oh, my God. Okay. So I'll just, <laughs> but there's I'll, no needle. I don't, I've got to figure I'll, out. What, just oh, wait yeah, for yeah, the yeah, needle. Wait, wait for yeah, the yeah, needle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what the needle is. I know what the needle is. Okay, I have no so idea. Long story short. Um, Nellie is a big meanie, and you can imagine what she does to the horse. The ASPCA would be all over her, and the horse throws her. And Nellie decides that she's going to fake being paralyzed, you know, as you do, um, so that Bunny will be destroyed. She wants them to kill Laura's favorite horse, and so she's going to pretend to be paralyzed. And so here's my image. Here's my number one image out of all nine seasons of Little House on the Prairie. Doc Baker comes to Nellie Olson's house, and he has to examine her. And the way he tests her for, like, oh, no, her legs don't move. Let's find out how much she can feel, is he takes a needle, and he and he puts the blanket back to expose her bare feet. He doesn't scratch her toes or poke at her toes. He takes the needle, and he sinks the needle down into her toe and then pulls it back out again, and Nellie doesn't flinch. And so this, of course, the next day at school, everybody is like, could you do that? If if Doc Baker put a needle in your toe like that, would you be able to not flinch? And the whole thing we talked about all day was whether or not that was realistic. Could that actually happen? Okay, kid, I just say something. This is so funny. 
because you said you didn't rewatch it. And yeah. this is your memory from, <laughs> wait, just That's a second. Right. This is your memory from yes. how long ago? 1976. And so I rewatched it last week. And what's so funny is he touches her toe with the needle. He po- he, he, he pokes her. It doesn't go all the way in and pull oh, all the way out. God. So isn't that interesting? Oh, that that's what stuck with yes. you. It's gotten so yes. big and mm-hmm. so awful through all. And as a little kid, of course, it seemed like that. It was horrific. Of yeah. course. It, and he we definitely talked about pokes, it all day. He definitely takes a needle and pokes her toe. Yeah. But it doesn't like go all the way. <laughs> so I just think. But I think that's so funny. And there's so much value in that, though, Kristen. So that memory for you is so valid because that was yes. you guys. What You went to school. You talked about it. That was disgusting. And what's so funny is if you go watch it again. Um, it's episode, it's season three, episode two. And um, Bunny, because, Bun- you know, remember the whole story of Bunny, though? That Bunny was Laura's horse. And then in the first Christmas on Plum Creek, then Laura um, traded Bunny to Nell's because oh, she wanted the stove for the mom. And then so then Bunny for two seasons is Nellie's. And she has to look at her beloved horse with her mortal enemy. And then you're right. She abuses her and the whole thing. Um and then the best part for me of that episode is at the end when Laura figures out Laura's manipulated into being her tutor and does all her schoolwork for her. And then she finds out that Nellie's been, you know, lying, just lying to everybody. Yes. And so she t- takes her on that epic. She takes her on that epic ride up the hill and then in her wheelchair, her down the hill, in the in wheelchair, wheelchair and then pushes her down the hill in her wheelchair. And then she flies into the pond and then Mrs. Olson falls off the wagon and. And then Nellie, because Nellie falls out of the wheelchair, she stands yeah. up. And then she stands up, yeah. And everybody and can her see that she's lying. And Harriet sees. And then Nels gives Bunny back to Laura. Yeah. Which is then really sad because then you guys remember then what happens to Bunny? No. Oh. A few I episodes think... later. It is season three, episode seven, called Journey into Spring Part Two. Don't hurt horses. Nellie, or uh, uh, Laura is riding Bunny. And it's the episode, it's the two-part episode where Pa's dad, Pa's mom dies and then his dad's going to commit suicide because he's so despondent over the mom. So Pa brings the dad back to Walnut Grove. Laura's riding Bunny and Bunny, she takes Bunny and Bunny to jump over the barbed wire oh, fence. Oh, God, but instead, I remember Bunny through it. And then Pa has to shoot Bunny. And Laura's going, don't Gosh. do it, Pa, don't do it. I'm and she serious. runs Stop and he's like, right take now. her away. And then she runs and she runs, runs, runs. And she's standing on the hill and you just hear the gunshot like reverberate. <gasps> oh. It's horrible. I'm not even watching it. You're just telling me and it's, horrible. it's hurting me. This is horrible. This is horrible. We were little children. We were little children. Oh, God. And now I do remember that moment when the horse runs mm-hmm. through the fence. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. What were they doing uh, to us? Oh. Carolyn, do you have two, an episode, too? I do. Um, I'm just, I'm actually going to pinpoint a moment um, because this was a two-parter and it was in the very first season. And um, the both episodes were called, I mean, it was called The Lord is My Shepherd and uh, pretty heartbreaking on multitude of levels. Uh, One, because they have, Ma has a baby, and it's a boy, and he dies as um, an infancy. I think he's a couple months old. And all along, um, Laura has been very envious of the baby, and Pa seems to be paying all the attention to the baby. And when he's sick, Laura decides not to pray for the baby to get better. And um, when the baby and baby's name is Charles. Um, when the baby dies, she's overwhelmed with guilt because it was because she didn't pray. And um, so she decides to run away, 
make a pact with God that um, you send back Charles and you can take me. Oh um, my God, I can she, I can see this, Carolyn. Like mm-hmm. I and in my mind it's raining. I'm sure it wasn't raining, but in my mind it's raining and she's looking up at the sky and she's holding her she's folding her hands. It's just like visceral. And remember, I didn't rewatch any of these. But the moment that resonates with me so clearly is um, fast forward three days later, pause, figure he's found her, basically. I won't give you the whole way that all happened. But um, and she's praying to God and she hears like, Laura, and she thinks kind of it's God talking. But then she maybe thinks maybe that's Pa, I don't know. And she turns around and they see each other and their eyes meet and, you know, they show his face. I mean, again, nipple lightning, just, it it was, he was so good at that. Like he didn't have to say, and you just felt it. You felt that love between them. And it's actually interesting because Melissa Gilbert has said that that was real. Like that feeling that they had for each other was their real love for each other. Um, It was like a father finding his daughter um, after all that time. And that was sincere, real, and I just felt that. And again, it was the scene of this fatherly love and intensity that the music just totally enhanced the scene and his face and her face. You could just, they didn't even need to say anything. Mm -hmm. And that just stuck in my mind um, about finding that moment of finding this thing that you had lost that you love so much. It would probably be worth it to go back and see just that scene again, to see exactly what you're talking about, Uh Carolyn. The way these two people, these two actors, but real people, Mm -hmm. actually had to bring that to fruition. How to make us believe that. You know, she's nine years old at the time, and she's... um, She's in her book, she says that's her hands down her favorite scene and episode, Mm -hmm. Carolyn. And she said that um, Michael, they had such a close relationship that anytime she had to cry in a scene, if there she she was able to pretty easily. But if she couldn't, Michael would take her aside and she would look up at him and he would be crying and he would say to her, do you know how much I love you? Oh, my God. And he would be crying like, this is how much I love you. And it would instantly make her cry because she loved him so much back. And then it would be like, because he was also directing almost everything. So basically, he would be like, action. Oh, my God. (laughs) She's crying. Instead of her having to think of like a lot of actors do this method, like where they they think of a childhood memory that was sad or a a dead pet or something to get them to cry. She would just either think about how much Michael Landon loved her or he would just have to go and show her how much he loved her. And he could start crying just because he was so emotional to her. Was no. what was Melissa Gilbert's family situation? Did she have a father no. at home with her? She did, but her dad, she loved. She had a very special relationship with her dad, but he was absent a lot, and then he died when she was only like eleven. So oh, she's hello. always said that Michael Landon. So I, that's a little bit like my relationship or perceived relationship with Pa as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he served that purpose for so you. So he too. was very important. He was very important in her life. Yeah. Okay. So my. Um, my number one most memorable, or most not most memorable, but just favorite feel-good episode is the very second episode. It's season one, episode two, and it's called Country Girls. Um, so this is the one where it's Mary and Laura's first day of school in Walnut Grove. And Laura's very, very nervous. Um, she's never been to school, and she's worried because she doesn't know how to read. So, um, okay, so they get dressed, and as they'll do for years, they set off on their, what was it? I don't know, three, four-mile walk. Right, eight, um, ten, <laughs> To school all walk. by themselves. With their pails. All by, all they always, have pails. Just, 
yeah, just go on, children, by yourselves. And and also, do you guys ever watch that? And you're like, how do they know where to? How do they not get lost? There was no trail. <laughs> I always just cutting through the that. grass. They never walked down a road. No. They just walked mm-hmm. over hills and stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so they go to school. Um, they go all alone. They get to school. And this is where they meet the lovely Miss Beetle for the very first time. Beetle. So Miss Beetle is wonderful. Um, but this is also where we first meet Nellie. And we immediately hate her. And you guys, I have to say kudos, huge kudos to the writers and to Allison Arngrim, who at the time was only like 12, for knocking that character out of the park from that first episode. Because mission accomplished from the first word she says. As that little girl, you hate her. So, okay, so the part of the the episode that is the best is and the most meaningful. So the class has to write an essay and the parents are going to come to listen to their essays. And Nellie re- stands up and her essay, of course, as you would expect, it's super boastful and very self-centered about their very expensive furniture that's in their house. And um, Laura stands up and she reads this sweetest and like most heartfelt essay. And it's a tribute to Ma and and it makes Ma cry. And Laura stands there and she never looks at her paper. You know, she just <laughs> looks out. And it's this beaut. It's all just how wonderful Ma is and how she made them the dresses. And she works just as hard as Pa. And it's just beautiful. And after the presentation is over, Ma comes out and she's like, Laura, can I see your paper? And Laura gives her her paper. And she looks down and the only thing written on the paper says, Ma works hard. Ma is good. She cooks she sews. And that's it. And Ma's like, I think we should go in and talk to Miss Beetle. Because of course, you know, they're very honest. So they go in. She's like, Laura has something she would like to show you. And she hands it to Miss Beetle. And this is when Miss Beetle will forever hold the dearest place in all of our hearts, right? Because Miss Beetle takes the paper and she just sees those four little sentences. And she's like, all she says to Laura is, wow, Laura, your penmanship is really improving. (laughs) And that's it. She doesn't say like this. That wasn't the assignment. You know, you didn't write that essay you read and they leave. And I just I love this episode so much. And so I wanted to play a little game with you guys where we I'm going to call it playing on the prairie, where I name a famous actor, actress, that's famous now, might have been famous then. And you're going to say true or false if they were on Little House on the Prairie. Like they were a guest star or something? They were a guest star okay. or had maybe a recurring okay. role over okay. a period of time. This is going to be um, hard because I'm not sure I would have known those people at the time. I'm going to have to dig deep here. I'm right. just going to say true. So you might not have known at the time. Yeah, right. You might have heard about it after the fact. But it'll be a fun little um, trip down memory lane and you might have a few shockers here. Okay, Um, I'm going to start with what I think is kind of an easy one. I guess um, we'll do it where you'll raise your hand. One of you will raise your hand, and you're going to say true or false. Okay, we're going to start with Jason Bateman. Oh, I think I saw Kristen's hand first. Kristen, is that true? Okay, thank you very much. Your voice is off with your mouth, so it's not fair because I hear you after you say it. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm going to totally win. Sorry. (laughs) That's okay. Okay. I'm just going to keep what going like this. Do? Yeah, right. Just okay. leave your hand in the air. Just leave it there. <laughs> That's right. Maybe we'll just take turns. Do you want to do that? And that that way it's fair Doesn't for matter. everybody. Okay. I okay, won the last game, go. so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sean Penn. Uh, Michelle. True. 
That is true. Very good. We're, I only gonna... just learned that. I don't remember I the too. episode. I don't remember. Do you remember was, the episode? You know what? I don't think he was a starring um, role. I'm not even sure he had any lines, but he was on there. I'm looking that up. Okay. Uh, Heather Locklear. Michelle? I'll say false. I'm going to agree. Okay. That would be correct. Although she did guest star in um, Eight is Enough. Oh, so another did? family drama of the time, Heather Locklear was a guest star uh, on Eight is that's Enough. That's a whole before bunch more TJ episodes. I can't wait for them. Yes. Before T.J. Hooker. Okay. okay. We are going to now go with Johnny Cash. Yes. No Christine. way. No way. That's false. No, he was with June Carter. What? They were on the show. You're were they outlaws? No. Were they like now, traveling performers or something? I'm embarrassed to say I'm not sure, <laughs> but I know it's true. We're looking up they, all let's these. Let's just say they were outlaws. And, and okay, and okay, that, that makes it kind of fun. That makes it kind of fun from the prison. Okay, they were like stagecoach robbers. Yeah. Um, how about Aaron Moran? Michelle, I'll say false. I'm going to agree. That's false. Okay, that is false. Although she good, good guest starred on The Waltons. Oh my gosh, and, you're kidding. No, no, another little fun family drama. Okay, um, how about Danny Bonaducci? Kristen. False. That is false, but he was on Eight is Enough. What? So as you see here, what? I'm just trying to even give you fun facts even when yeah. the answer is false. Okay. And he would have been old when he was on Eight is Enough, too. Yeah, and he wasn't himself on. I mean, he was acting as oh, somebody. So, All right, um, YouTube, here I come. Okay, we're going to go with teen heartthrob of the time, Lance Kerwin of James of 15 fame. Yes, Kristen? I'm just going to guess. I'm going to say yes on this one. That would, would be correct. Yes. He fits in on the prairie. I could see him on the prairie, yeah. yeah. With a wide-brimmed hat. Totally. With his Amish haircut. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. What about Willie Ames? Mm, I'm going to say, oh, well, I had my oh, hand okay. raised. So. Yeah, you had. <laughs> you did have your hand up. I'll go say ahead. false. That feels false. Uh, you would be wrong. <gasps> my first what? one to trick you. He was on um, on the show. Yes, was he was it, on Lost Prairie. Was and it I, post Eight is Enough? No, pre Eight is Enough. It was probably pre Eight is Enough. Oh, interesting. And I do believe, I don't have it on here, but I think I also saw that he was on the Waltons at some point. So um, I'm not talking like that they had main roles, right. but he did appear on that show. Um, Sissy Spacek. Okay. She yes, looks Christine. she looks prairie-ish to me. So I'm going to say yes. Yeah, that would be wrong. She also looks kind of Depression era, <laughs> I think. So you need to She's go more with Waltons. Appalachia and stuff. Yeah, yeah that'd we're be going wrong. with Wal- Yeah, she was on the Waltons. Okay, you know, and I think you know the answer to this, but um, I'm going to throw it out there anyway. My the love of my life at the time, Jimmy McNichol. Oh, I don't know the answer oh. to this. You got to oh. guess. You got. I'm guessing. Okay. okay. I think Kristen. Okay, so here's my logic. He does fit in on the prairie, but I think. He's too famous. I think at the time he wouldn't have been able. I think he would have caused chaos on the prairie. So I'm going to say false. <laughs> okay, Michelle. Do you I would say false anything? only because I don't. I different reason. I don't feel like he fit in on the prairie. Okay. Well, he did fit in on the prairie. <laughs> oh my god! 
And actually, the scene, I mean, uh, I can, we'll post this maybe. Um, I believe he is in a scene, and it's a photo with Sean Penn. Um, oh. It was an episode with a lot of those people. Wow. And once again, our memories, uh, if you figure he was in like a 74, 75 ish episode mm-hmm. in the beginning, he was kind of younger then. I mean, he, would he be wasn't a boy. the Jimmy McNichol we know, think of that mm-hmm. I celebrated. Mm-hmm. And, and worshipped or whatever. So yes, he was on that show. What about John Ritter? Oh, wait. I, mm, okay, wait. I'm saying yes, but now I think I'm picturing him in breaches from another show. Like, <laughs> that was, was just he? a dream you had the other night. Yeah, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> <laughs> when Santa Monica became the prairie. Right. Um, well, no, you might have... He was not on Little House on the Prairie, but he did have a recurring role as um, a reverend on the Waltons. That's what it is. I knew. Okay, so it wasn't breaches. It was the Depression. Okay. Yeah, and maybe I had a, I had a little, a a little collar taste of it. or something. Yeah. Yes. So good. Were you surprised by any of those? Did any of those? Oh, yeah. yeah. All the okay. ones I got wrong. Well, we're not the only ones who love this show. And we've discovered some amazingly creative people who've taken their admiration of Little House on the Prairie to a whole nother level. Recently, I was scrolling through the internet and came across a project called Living on a Prairie. If that title alone doesn't make you want to watch it, I can't imagine what would. So I headed right to the website and found a project, which is a satirical comedy series about a woman who has an obsession with Little House on the Prairie. Um, It was so great. Six minute little episodes. And I could not wait to share it with Kristen and Michelle. It was late that night. So I waited till the morning to text them and could not wait to hear what they thought. It's so funny. And like Carolyn said, they're tiny little episodes. They're only six minutes long. So you can sit down to lunch and you can consume the whole series while you're sitting there eating lunch. But careful because you're going to spit out your lunch. Um, If you are a Little House fan, she is talking directly to you. It is so great. I'm going to even actually play a little clip for you guys just to whet your appetite for how fun um, and just um, nostalgic the show can be. So here we go. Oh, and uh, what about Ma? What about Ma almost cutting off her own leg? You know, just one little scratch from a chicken wire, and the next thing you know, she has some big-ass knife over the fire, and she is literally about to slice her leg off. So, what, you think You think the Waltons pulled that kind of shit? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that episode. Oh, my gosh. You guys, she is so incredibly funny, creative, a great writer, and the writers in us love that. And of course, if you all know anything about me, I'm a gooby fangirl. I mean, that's probably the best way way to explain (laughs) me. I had to go down the rabbit hole and find out more about the creator, whose name is Pamela Bob. And uh, after reading about her, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to shoot her a message and see if um, she responds, which she did right away. I reached out to her on Instagram and not Uh, Long after that, she agreed to be a guest on an upcoming episode of the podcast. So stay tuned for our bonus episode where we chat with Pamela all about the creation of the show of her series and um, what inspired her. Again, called Living on a Prairie. Yeah. Hope everyone gets that. Like little, you know, like living on a prairie. (laughs) (laughs) And she's not the only creative one we found. Michelle passed along a historical 
hysterical uh, friend. Um, now he's a friend, but um, a guy over on TikTok. What was he yeah. doing? So another little house on the prairie gym we found was over on TikTok, like Carolyn said, which is actually hilarious because none of us really understand how to use TikTok. Like, I don't know how to do the TikTok. No, I only follow three accounts, you guys. I follow my daughter's. I follow an incredibly smart and hyper monkey named George, who opens gifts sent by his 11 million followers, and a guy who I used to call Little House Man, but who we all now know as Raven Stone or Mr. Stone Author on TikTok, because we are obsessed with him. So Raven creates so funny, uh, so funny. He creates hilarious and super clever Little House videos. Uh, that are everything from him playing different characters. Like, he does a killer Harriet and Reverend Alden. Spot. Um, <laughs> to even Reverend Alden with the red face and the red nose. To him inserting himself in scenes. Um, he ranks the men of Walnut Grove by how many shots it would take him to sleep with them. That's, that's one of my favorite series. Um to him just hilariously commenting on different parts of episodes as they flash behind him. And he's just kind of droll the way he comments on it. And he says all the things that we think, especially about, like, Carrie. Um, he's obsessed with Pa, as we all are. Um, anyway, you guys, we are now e-friends with Raven. Yay. And he's generous, generously agreed to be a guest on the podcast soon and join in our conversation about more Little House episodes. And so we are ridiculously excited about that um but in the meantime make sure to check out his videos and follow him at mr stone author on tiktok honestly we cannot recommend him enough awesome. living on a prairie is also on youtube right you can just right. you can just find it on youtube as well yes and um instagram all the social media platforms as well and i will include all this information in the show notes so people if you don't have a pen and paper right handy um you can look on our website for that information so it'll be really fun to talk to them i can't wait stay tuned well you guys we really could talk for hours uh, about our love of this show and all the fun memories we have with it but like that series all good things must come to an end and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. And seriously, I want to encourage everyone to consider getting their own bonnet because it just <laughs> feels right. And we hope you'll join us next week when we'll be saving everyone's favorite skating movie, Ice Castles. And don't forget to join in our fun conversations on social media and be part of the society over on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, just search Pop Culture Preservation Society and you'll find us. And you can also find episodes and learn more about us at our website, which is poppreservationists.com. In the meantime, ladies, let's raise our glasses for a toast. Courtesy of Janet, Chrissy, and Jack Tripper. To good times. To happy days. To Little House on the Prairie. Amen. Cheers. Thanks for listening, you guys. See you next time. Information, opinions, and comments expressed on the Pop Culture Preservation Society podcast belong solely to me, the Crushologist, and Carolyn and Hello Newman, and are in no way representative of our employers or affiliates. And though we truly believe we are always right, I guess there's always a first time. The PCPS is written, produced, and recorded at Modern Well, a woman-centered co-working space in Minneapolis, Minnesota, home of the fictional WJM Studios and our beloved Mary Richards. Nanu Nanu, keep on trucking, and may the force be with you. We get a happy feeling when we're singing a song